I mentioned, well, I guess it was last Sunday morning, uh, we did a lesson uh, on the Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter 16. And uh, we, we kind of talked about how we don't read uh, from the book of Leviticus too much, uh, just because uh, a lot of it is pertaining to the, the rules and regulations of the Levites, the priests of the Old Testament. And, uh, but I want to have our attentions be drawn here to a quick uh, little uh, recap here in Leviticus chapter 24 uh, before we jump into uh, the main text of the lesson. But in Leviticus chapter 24, we have uh, one of these uh, rare narratives in the book of Leviticus. The first one's in Leviticus chapter 10 uh, with uh, Nadab and Abihu, and maybe those are two names you're familiar with. Those two priests, the sons of Aaron, who were consumed in the fire when they offered strange fire. But there's one more narrative within the book as well that's uh, often unknown. Leviticus chapter 24, starting in verse 10. Uh, Follow along as I I read uh, here. Uh, Notice it says that now the son of an Israelite woman whose father was an Egyptian went out among the sons of Israel and the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel struggled with each other in the camp. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name and cursed. So they brought him to Moses. Now his mother's name was Shemoeth, the daughter of debris of the tribe of Dan. They put him in custody so that the command of the Lord might be made clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring the one who has cursed outside the camp and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head and then let all the congregation stone him. You shall speak to the sons of Israel, saying, If anyone curses his God, then he will bear his sin. Moreover, the one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him. The alien, as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. And then dropping down to the last verse in that chapter, verse 23, it says, Then Moses spoke to the sons of Israel, and they brought the one who had cursed outside the camp and stoned him to death. And thus the sons of Israel did, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. So we have this scene here. We have these two individuals fighting with one another. Uh, one is uh, you know, a full-blooded Jew. The other one, we're told, was half Egyptian, half Jew. But this man who was half Egyptian, half Jew, we're told, blasphemed the name. He, he cursed God. And the, the reason uh, everyone kind of sort of stopped in their tracks is because they knew that this was wrong. This was something that, of course, uh, God said in the ten, one of the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. And we also see in the old law as well, Exodus 22, verse 28, that you shall not curse God. Well, in last week's, uh, if you were here last week, as we did a a questions and answers uh, lesson last Sunday evening, I had five questions, and unfortunately we only got through four of the five. And so tonight we're going to finish that fifth question uh, here this evening that someone asked this question. And again, it's a great question. It's a question often asked, and it deserves our attention. Why is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit the only unforgivable sin? Why is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit the only unforgivable sin? And so uh, before we jump into the lesson, uh, a great gospel preacher by the name of G.C. Brewer said this about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He said, there's four main reasons why men want to study this topic. Number one, because some fear that they are guilty of committing it. Number two, some want to study it because of curiosity. Number three, some have a pet theory they want to advance concerning it. 
But number four, some so that they can commit every other sin except this one, right? Because this one we're told is the unforgivable sin. So what we're going to do in this lesson, and then the lesson will be yours, but we're going to do three things. Well, first, we're going to define what blasphemy means and understand what it means. Number two, we're going to look at an account in the life of Jesus uh, that specifically uh, talks about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, and that'll be in Matthew chapter 12. And then number three, we're going to ask the question tonight, is that something that I need to be worried about? Is that something you need to be worried about, uh, blaspheming uh, the Holy Spirit? And so... Uh, let's talk about what is blasphemy. Again, this word suggests injurious or m- malicious speech uh, towards deity, right? You're showing contempt. You're showing irreverence towards God with your tongue. That's blasphemy. It, it, the compound word in the Greek, it literally means hurt speak. You're speaking hurtfully towards God, speaking against him. You're robbing him of his majesty. That's what blasphemy is. And we can see it demonstrated four different ways within Scripture. Uh, Number one, uh, cursing the divine name of God. That's what we just read in Leviticus chapter 24, that that half uh, Jew, half Egyptian man who cursed the name of God. That's blasphemy. Number two, attributing deeds unworthy of God's character, saying, you know, God does this and this, when, of course, we know better that he would never do that. Again, that's blasphemy. Number three, denying the worthy deeds that God has performed. Uh, That's sort of going to be really the topic of our study in Matthew chapter 12 of some individuals who are going to accuse uh, God of performing things uh, that uh, he's not worthy of doing. And we also see blasphemy within scripture. Number four, claiming uh, individuals claiming to possess the power and authority God has alone. Those are some reasons why individuals were, were, were said to have blasphemed God in the scriptures. Well, we see within uh, the scriptures that both uh, all three of the Godhead, are, there have been uh, um, examples of them being blasphemed. Right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the blas- blaspheming against God the Father, we can read about that in Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 2, Paul is writing to uh, the church there in Rome, and he's talking about the, the wicked Jews there, and he's, uh, he's, you know, he's basically saying, listen, you've been given written revelation. You have been given the, the Old Testament, the old law, the law of Moses, uh, about certain vile practices that you, know, that you should not uh, do. You should not uh, murder and commit adultery, he gives those examples. But then he says, the things you're preaching against, those very things that you're preaching against, you're committing. Uh, You're guilty of those same very things. And he says in Romans chapter 2, verse 24, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, even as it is written, right? They're observing your behavior. You're preaching that you shall not murder, yet you're murdering. You're preaching that thou shall not commit adultery, but you're committing adultery. The very thing that you're preaching against, you're doing. And by doing that, you're blaspheming the name of God. Right? You're talking ill uh, about the name of God. We also see that in Scripture that they blasphemed the God the Son, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 27, do you remember this? He, he's on the cross. He's crucified upon the cross. And as he hung there, it says that people were going by and they were reviling him. Or they were railing him. Uh, the New King James actually says they were blaspheming Jesus. They were hurling abuse against, at him. They were wagging their heads at him. Save yourself, 
You know, if you really are the son of God, come down from that cross. What were they doing? They, they were renouncing his deity. They were renouncing that he was the, the divine son, the, the son of God. And again, that is an account of blasphemy that we see in the scriptures. And then, of course, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And again, we're going to look at that account here more in detail because he says uh, in Matthew chapter 12, and you might as well uh, turn over there. We'll be there in a second. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, he says, Any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. So, so let's, let's uh, go there, Matthew chapter 12, and let's sort of understand what's going on here in the context. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 22. Uh, let's read the first few verses. It says, Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him so that the mute man spoke and saw. All the crowds were amazed and were saying, This man cannot be the son of David, can he? So Jesus, he heals a demon-possessed man who is blind and mute. And this, of course, is not, uh, this is not strange uh, uh, for, for Jesus to do this. He does this all the time. And the entire crowd is amazed at this. And the people are saying, This can't be the son of David, right? This, this can't be the Messiah. This can't be the Christ. He can't be. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Jesus who grew up with us? How did he do something that only one who is of God could have done? This can't be the Son of God. Look at verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man cast out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. See, the Pharisees said, Jesus is casting out these demons by the power of Beelzebul. Or, uh, in, uh, you know, just the easier way to think of this is they're referring to him as Satan, right? Uh, uh, he's a tool of Satan. He, he's working under the, uh, under the disguise of Satan. And this isn't the only time that they've done this. You know, throughout the book of John, they're constantly saying, this man has a demon, uh, referring to Jesus. You know, the, uh, he's only doing these things because he has a demon, but they are outright denying the evidence that's right in front of them. And this is where Jesus is going to get at them for, for doing this. Right? They see that Jesus is performing this great miracle. He's casting out this demon. They see the evidence right in front of them, but they outright deny what he's doing. Verse 25 through 30. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I, by Beelzebul, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. You notice Jesus' rebuttal here? Really, he gives us three really good points about the Pharisees. Number one, he says, you Pharisees are being irrational. Right? If Satan cast out Satan, right? that's what Jesus is saying, seriously? If Satan casts out Satan, a house divided can't stand, he says. When I always read that verse, I always think of, you know, a deck of cards. You know, have you ever taken a deck of cards and sort of, you know, built this, this tower, this great big house with the deck of cards? I, I've never been able to do it, but I know some people 
probably have done that before to all 52 cards. But if you were to take one of those cards out of that deck, what would happen? Well, of course, that house would come crumbling down, right? A house divided against itself, it just can't stand. The kingdom of Satan is not going to crumble within, Jesus says. Why would Satan help this man out if, G- if Satan uh, was the ruler of the demons and he placed this demon inside of this man, why would Satan then cast the demon out and help this man? Again, he says, you're being irrational, Pharisees. It, it, he doesn't care uh, that, uh, that this man can now see or talk. Right? You're being irrational. He then says that they are being inconsistent. You know, if you don't care, if your sons are going around doing the same thing, you know, trying to cast out demons, why are you saying that I'm doing these things by the power of Beelzebul? What power are you saying that they're casting them out? Well, you're not. Why are you so fixated on me, Jesus is saying? Why am I the focus? You're being inconsistent with how you're judging the matter. He tells them they're ir- irrational. Uh, he tells them they are inconsistent. And he also tells them that they're insincere. Right? He says, if I'm doing this by the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom of God is upon you. If his divine power of providing good is irrefutable evidence, but you just won't admit it, you just don't care, the power of God is, the kingdom of God is upon you, he says. Verse 31 and 32. Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people. This is where we get the idea of the unforgivable sin. You know, a lot of times we uh, are, we might, you might read in the header of your Bible, like I'm looking at right now, it says the unpardonable sin. Uh, now, no, nowhere in Scripture is it ever referenced unpardonable But Jesus does say that it's unforgivable. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit is unforgivable. What did the Pharisees do? What did they do to have Jesus say, or what sin did they commit for Jesus to have said this? Well, the reason why is because they're attributing the power of the Holy Spirit to Satan. Uh, Jesus is casting out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're attributing that great miracle to the devil, not the Holy Spirit, but to the devil. And that's blasphemy. That's derogatory speech towards the Holy Spirit. They're blaspheming the Holy Spirit by attributing the Holy Spirit's power to the devil. And Jesus again says that it was, uh, he even says in those verses that we just read that, listen, if you blaspheme me, you know, that's fine. That can be forgiven. But to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that shall not be forgiven. Well, the last point we want to make here tonight is do I need to be worried about committing it today? You know, many are frightened uh, that the fact that maybe they've accidentally committed this sin sometime in their life and uh, the unpardonable sin and, and or maybe at one point they were living in rebellion to God and maybe they committed the unforgivable sin. And so a lot of people are worried, scared that, well, if I committed that at some point in my life and it's unforgivable, then... Is there any hope for me? Well, we know that God forgives anyone who meets the condition of forgiveness. 
Second uh, Corinthians chapter seven, verse 10 is probably uh, one of my favorite verses when it comes to repentance, because listen to what Paul says here. Second Corinthians chapter seven, uh, verse 10. He writes, for the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Again, Paul says that sorrow that is according to the will of God, a godly sorrow produces repentance without regret, leading to salvation. And we could look at many of the different scriptures. Of course, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And first Timothy chapter two, verse four, where, where Paul says that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And second Peter chapter three, verse nine, where Peter says that the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Or even Paul on Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 17, verse 30 on, on Mars Hills uh, with, with the, letting us know that um, all men now, all men need to repent. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 and 9, you, you recall this verse where, where the, the Apostle John here says that um, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. If we continue to walk in the light as he himself is in the light, that blood cleanses us from all sins. And he says in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, what is it about this unforgivable sin? If these verses we just read said that God desires all men to be saved, if that the blood of Jesus can continue, continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, again, what does it mean to commit an unpardonable sin? You know, some people get the idea that there are certain sins like murder or adultery, again, that just cannot be forgiven. But that simply is not the case. First Timothy chapter one, verse 13, the apostle Paul said at one time I was previously a blasphemer. Right? I was doing things contrary to the will of God. I was blaspheming God. I was at one time a blasphemer. But now he says I acted ignorantly and in unbelief and I was shown mercy and he repented. Even again, going back to Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, you know, any any blasphemy. Uh, against him or, or, or God, a one-time act, these things can be forgiven. But again, what does it mean to commit an unforgivable sin? Well, think about this for a moment. You know, Jesus uses a lot of very strong language, a lot of strong warnings when it comes to being lost. And we could probably understand that. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 and 30, remember he says this, if your right eye uh, makes you stumble, uh, tear it out, throw it from you. Or if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. Again, that's, that's strong, figurative language. He's not literally telling us to pluck out our eyes or cut off our arms. Right? If our right eye sins against us, um, what about the left eye? You know, how did the right eye see something that the left eye didn't? You know, again, it's figurative. But he's warning us to take these drastic steps to do what we can to be saved. Well, again, here, here's another one of these strong, strong warnings that uh, if anyone blasphemes the Holy Spirit, he will not be forgiven. Now, here's the point I want to make this evening. You and I, we cannot blaspheme the Holy Spirit in the same way that the Pharisees did. Right. We we uh, we don't have Jesus walking around uh, performing miracles in front of us and we don't have the opportunity to deny uh, those great miraculous things that that happened. 
And we don't have the ability to attribute those things to Satan again uh, like they did in the first century. Because again, Jesus is not on this earth in human form. And, and, and then also miracles have ceased. And, and final revelation is complete. But in a sense, in a sense, we can still blaspheme the Holy Spirit today. You know, it's a heart condition. It's a heart condition. It, it, again, it's not a one-time action. It's not, oops, I slipped and, and said something that I shouldn't have. But it's a condition of the heart. A condition that denies the God-breathed word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God. It, it's a condition that speaks ill of the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, listen to the words of Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 20. He says, But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. You know, speaking ill of the evidence of, that has been recorded for us in the Scriptures, that were recorded uh, by men speaking on uh, behalf of the Holy Spirit speaking from God. Right? Or wrongly attributing the basis of our faith. Romans 10 verse 17, our faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. If our faith is built on something that isn't from hearing or reading the scriptures, or based on the scriptures, now again, here, here's that condition of the heart. A condition that, that's hardened. Blasphemy of, of the Holy Spirit today, in a sense, can be committed by one who is fully informed but living in unbelief. I've hardened my heart to God and I just won't believe. It's unforgivable because forgiveness is the last thing on your mind. It's the last thing on, your per- on someone's mind. It's blatant. It's sustained uh, unbelief. Uh, notice uh, Numbers chapter 15, verse 30. Uh, Moses wrote this. But the person who does anything defiantly, whether he is a native or an alien... That one is blaspheming the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from among his people. Someone who's doing something defiantly, right? They know what to do, but they just won't listen. It's blatant. It's, it's sustained unbelief. And the question is not if they confess, will God forgive them? Because, of course, we know he would. If you come to him in, in repentance and godly sorrow, he will forgive us of any sin. But the question is, if they don't want to confess, will God forgive? You know, how far will a person go and not be concerned about this confession? Many will, many will uh, you know, figuratively stare into that empty tomb and, and still deny that Jesus was ever there or that someone came and you know, took the body away uh, by night. Uh, paid off the guards, whatever. But they'll look into that empty tomb and continue to deny uh, that Jesus was raised. They're so dead set against the truth that they will argue irrationally and inconsistently and insincerely to oppose Jesus. Again, and the divine evidence that he is the son of God. I uh, heard a preacher once say uh, this that's always kind of stuck with me, but he said, if you're, if you're worried that you've committed uh, the unpardonable sin, the unforgivable sin, then really that's a good sign because it means your heart has not become hardened and calloused to it. You're concerned about it. See, when the, the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is understood, we conclude that it, it's not an isolated sin committed out of ignorance or in a moment of weakness. 
And we don't have to worry about uh, committing a sin that is supposedly so egregious that even if we should confess it, God would not forgive. Because again, pardon is available to every child of God. The the child of God who acts uh, even injuriously with reference to God and his cause. The child of God who will repent of his wrong, acknowledge it, and again, ask for forgiveness. And that's what we want to remember here this, this evening. Can I commit the, the unforgivable sin? Well, in a, in a sense, um, as we read here in Matthew chapter 12, uh, that was something that was going on during the day of the miraculous. But also, in a sense, when we outright deny the scriptures, the, the, the words revealed to us by the Holy Spirit... Uh, the, the only way that we can know God's uh, will for us today are through the scriptures, then there is, in an essence, we have done that. And, and so we need to make sure that we, we guard ourselves against that this evening um, as we offer the invitation. And hopefully uh, this, uh, the, this question was, was answer, answered thoroughly and, and hopefully it helped the one who asked the question and all who uh, had, had the opportunity to listen this evening. But again, appreciate the question, appreciate uh, more as we um, you know, continue to develop some more lessons from those questions. But as we offer the invitation, if anyone here this evening is uh, in need of prayer, in need of encouragement of this, uh, of this congregation here, we would love the opportunity to pray for you, to help you as, as you walk in this life as a Christian, or this evening if you're ready to put on Christ in baptism. We would love the opportunity to to uh, help assist you with that, or if you want to study what the Bible has to say about becoming a Christian. Again, we would love uh, to do that with you as well. Uh, Please let us know as together we stand and sing.